morning, fam. Uh, welcome to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. Uh, day 38, right? So we're in Numbers 29, and we're going to pick right up. We're almost through with the book of Numbers. Um, it's been really good. Uh, the people of God, just to set a little context again, for those who are just joining us, the people of God are in the wilderness, right? And the book of Numbers is about how can we remain faithful to God in the wilderness, right? God is going to remain faithful to us, but will we remain faithful to him? And the people of God, the Israelites here are where we are. They are literally in between the times. They are in the already in the not yet is what we would say in theology. They've already been saved out of Egypt, but they have not gotten the fullness of God's promise, which is Canaan. They have their feet in the sand between Egypt and Canaan. So in Numbers 28, we left off and basically God just says, yo, um, I've instituted these offerings that you guys are supposed to do daily um, monthly, right? All these things weekly and don't stop when you get into the land, right? Ain't, ain't nothing changed. My G. I'm still the same God. I still, uh, want you guys to perform this offerings, not because I need them, but because you need them. Right. And so in numbers 29, it picks up on that same thing. Right. And so God here just repeats a uh, material that he has said earlier. And so here, um, he says for the people of God that you guys are supposed to, uh, observe these festivals, right? So the Rosh Hashanah, right? That's the uh, the Israelite, the Jewish New Year, right? which Jews um, would still celebrate to this day. And then you have um, the Day of Atonement, right? Where um, the high priest would go into the Holies of Holies once a year to make the sacrifice of all sacrifices. And then finally, on the back half of the chapter, chapter 29, you would have the Festival of Shelters. Now, the Festival of Shelters, the text gives a lot of time here, so I, I'll spend some time here. It basically is um, eight days, right? So on the first day and the eighth day, it's a Sabbath day, right? A sacred assembly. Israel, you don't do any work, right? You rest from all work. Now, the Festival of Shelters or the Festival of Booths, sometimes the text will say, um, this was done in special remembrance, right? So the people of God are going into the land. He's saying, when you get there, uh, Observe the festival of booths. The festival of booths was when the people of God, in special remembrance of of uh, God bringing them through the wilderness, would literally make booths, right? And so they would make booths and live in them for seven days. Why? Because they were imitating their forefathers, who literally God dwelt with and provided for in the land, right? And they were also to have an abundance of offerings, which the text shows, and each day. Um, and this basically pointed to their uh, gratitude for God um, in creation, covenant, and deliverance. Now, God wanted them to remember where they had come from. That's all the Bible is trying to say here and what they had been through. Because God's fingerprints was all over their story. And I want you guys to hear that today, right? If you look back at your life, man, it's so amazing how much you'll see God's hand. And you couldn't see it in the moment, right? And I imagine the Israelites, they've been wilding the whole book, you know, turning, turning back, rebelling, doing all kind of crazy stuff. But, but when they look back and say, no, 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 no. God's hands was all, he was writing our story the entire time and his hand never got tired, right? And these rituals and festivals for the Israelites, they instilled in the psyche of their soul who their God was and what he had done for them. And that's what worship does for us, guys. And that's why it's so important to worship as much as we can this God whom we serve, because it instills in our psyche 
who he is. In Numbers 30, you know, the Bible talks about um, these vows between man and God, between man and woman, father and daughter, right? Um, and the detail, yeah, you can read the text for the de details, but um, all God is trying to say here is that when you get into the land as well, you have to keep your integrity, right? I've heard someone say it like this, that your, rep your reputation is who you're known for being in public. Integrity, integrity says um, you are known for being that same person in private, right? And so um, in your interpersonal relationships, God doesn't just want rituals, right, and religious duty. He wants your interpersonal relationships to mark the relationship you have with him, not just ritual holiness, but real deal <laughs> holiness as well, right? And then in the last two chapters, um, finishing out here. So chapter 31, you know, um, there's this thing called holy war, right? So I've mentioned holy war in past episodes, and basically it's um, a war of God and his holy army against sin, right? Um, so in many ways, uh, what happens here uh, is that um, the Israelites come against the Midianites um, in war and literally kill their kings, right? Um, the Bible is being descriptive, not prescriptive. It is describing what happened, not prescribing um, what we are to do today. Now, the Midianites, if we remember from earlier, these are the same part of the same people group who were leading the Israelite astray in idol worship, right? And so um, what they stood in the way of was of God's people from gaining their inheritance, right? And what God prescribed was, no, 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 no. I need you guys. Where I dwell, holiness and righteousness must prevail, right? So what I need you guys to do is enact this justice back to the Midianites on my behalf, right? And you may say, hey, like, how do I take a text like this and apply it to my life today? I'm glad you asked. We ought to be adamant about the people of God and vigilant and serious about pushing back against worldliness, sinfulness, injustice, and Satan in all darkness. We don't do this passively. We do this actively, right? Pushing back against sinful, unjust systems and structures in our world while also boldly proclaiming the truth of the gospel and the good news of the scriptures while also pushing back against um, idolatrous and ungodly worldviews and serving the world and our neighbors with love. That's how we adamantly push back against sin, right? The means are different today, but the end is the same. And what we have here, we have a victory, right? God's people receive a victory here. And this is just a foretaste, right? A whiff of the full meal of a victory that they'll experience across the Jordan, right? So in the same way today, when we fight for equality, when we fight for biblical truth, when we stand for these things and we see fruits in this life, when we see people repent and come to Christ, when we see unjust systems be torn down, when we see, uh, you know, um, people overcoming sin and addiction in their lives. That is a foretaste of the reality that is still to come when we across uh, to the heavenly Jerusalem, right? When there will be no more injustice, where there will be no more sickness, where there will be no more addiction, where there will be no more um, idolatry, right? And then finally, Numbers 32, where you have this 
um, sort of compromise. So, so in this last chapter, you have Reuben, you have Gad, and you have parts of Manasseh that see that the land east of the Jordan, the Transjordan, right, the land of Jazer, the Bible will call it, was desirable for their livestock, and they wanted to live there. They like, yo, so they go to Moses, these tribes go to Moses, and they say, yo, Moses, say, fam, we want to just ask you, like, can we, like, not cross the Jordan? And Moses is like, nah, like, that's, oh, like, what? Like, that's a problem. And one may wonder why, like, why is it such a big deal? Well, by saying this, they would be hindering and standing in the way of God's people taking the promised land, right? Because remember, 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 remember the, the spies, the spies that were sent to Canaan and 10 of them came back and was like, nah, that ain't it. We don't need to go, right? And God says, you know what? Now you're turning all of my people away from me, and now none of them want to go, and now all of y'all going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years, and y'all not going to take the promised land. So what God is saying, no, 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 you're not going to prevent my people from going into the promised land. And on behalf of Moses here, God is saying that through Moses. And um, what we must realize, man, is that this is the land that Yahweh promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So this is not something that's just happening, right? This is something that was promised that was that was believed by the ants, by people who never seen it, right? This is this is divine. This is ordained. This is God ordained gospel good news promises that the Lord Himself, how He would save His people in this time. And so, and, and then on top of that, God is not just promising these things for individuals, but for the community as a whole, right? The text is showing that God has always been redeeming a people for himself. He doesn't just redeem persons, right? That's why it's so important to have a covenant community and to understand the concept of covenant communities because God doesn't just save isolated folks. No, he saves a people for himself. So Reuben and Gad and all y'all, like if, if y'all gonna get in, in, in the way of the people taking the land, then that ain't happening. So they come up with a, with a covenant, a compromise. It's like, all right, so if we take them, help them get in the land, we defeat the enemies. They take possession of the land. Can we come back? Moses relents, right? And so, but what the Bible wants us to see as readers of this is that um, we have to learn from the generations that come before us, period, right? We have to learn from the generations that comes before us. It's been said that experience is the best teacher. And I get what people mean by that, but at the same time, if you can learn from someone else's experience, that's the best teacher. You know why? Because you get the same lesson without paying the same price. God is trying to give his people collectively, communally, as a whole, what he has promised them. It should be keen and important to us. It is good for, it is so important for us to know that we as the people of God should not seek to hinder our brothers and sisters from taking possession of what is rightfully theirs in Christ. We have to learn from the generations that came before us so we don't make the same mistakes that